Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Today we've got a crazy entitled parent story of a mom trying to harass their kid to take a pregnancy test. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, a new hill to die on. My parents are in their 70s and I'm 28-year-old male, living at home due to my disability and waiting to move into a different place. I was starting to feel like my parents were emotionally abusive prior to an initial move out on my own, but it wasn't until I had to move back due to circumstances that I realized how bad emotionally this environment is. Here's a recent situation that's gone on. My sibling comes over quite often to the home. This is yet another night with them. Sib and their kids come over for dinner and we have to add extra chairs. I'm not their religion, so I refuse to do their religion. Mom's response to that is to say that I can join after they do that. And me refusing is a new thing since prayer was roughly done once in a while and very irregularly. More often than not, it was never said. So I go down for dinner, and out of the four or five times siblings been over, I haven't had a seat at the table, even though I have in the past had to get the chair for the others when setting up the table. I don't get why since they know I'll be there and I have to get my chair. My mom's calling me childish and that I need to grow up because I in frustration said I'm not treated with basic respect. But to me, I just feel like you don't want me to be there. So why be in that already stressful situation? To say whenever sibling comes over is chaos is an understatement. Even my parents are relieved when they're finally gone for the moment. Parents are open about how draining their golden child's children are, but it's only when dad had enough of the visit for the night or, lucky, they changed for the next day. Yes, my parents are religious, they raised me in their religion, and I never once connected to it. I've tried being respectful and just sitting there when prayer was a once in a blue moon occurrence. They'll actively grab me to join hands and say I'm not behaving right for my siblings' children by not doing the right thing, aka going along with their own religion. My entitled mother is making it a hill to die on that prayer is the norm in this family. It was more when we were children, but as sibling and I aged, it came less and less. Then my sibling had kids and it suddenly became major again to do it from time to time. But in my honest opinion, me actively refusing to go through their motions is causing Entitled Mother to have a short circuit. I have my own spirituality and I never push it on anyone. They expect me to ignore my own religion for their own and basically ban me till they do their ritual and then because of my lack of conformity, it's you on your own. But still spouting the mindset of thinking of the family. The family only does family when it's beneficial to them, aka parents and sibling. There's reasons why I refer to myself as the rainbow sheep in the family. It all comes down to basic respect. If they can't accept that you don't follow that religion and they are going to die on that hill, maybe it's better to have an honest discussion where you feel you're being disrespected and simply say, until you are respected, you're not going to take part in joining the family for dinner. I would just say keep it respectful and kill them with kindness because obviously it makes it way easier for them to double down if it's said in any kind of angry or upset tone. 
Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you can't get enough of hearing of these entitled parents, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, I hung an ROC flag in my dorm, and my mom yelled at me for it. I'm Chinese-American, mainland Chinese to be precise, but I've never felt any sort of nationalistic loyalty to the PRC. In fact, the opposite. All the controversies and actions by the government, either recent or historically, have caused me to develop a mostly negative view. I even once did a project in one of my college classes about Chinese propaganda. Even so, I'm still proud of my Han Chinese heritage and culture. When I moved into my dorm back in September, I decided to decorate it with an ethnic flag. I wasn't going to hang a PRC flag due to its association with the Communist Party. So I instead bought and hung the flag of the Republic of China, which is now more commonly known as Taiwan. Last week, I moved back in for spring semester and my mom came to my dorm while helping me unpack from the car. The moment she saw the flag, she shouted at me. We argued and she told me that I had to take it down. I didn't want to cause any more drama, so I just did. After she left, I hung it back up. I can somewhat understand where she's coming from, given that she lived in China up to adulthood before moving to the US for college, but I'm still pissed that I now have to hide my flag when she comes to visit, or when I'll have to move out of my dorm. I don't know if OP or OP's mom has any family still living in mainland China, but knowing how some things have happened in China, God forbid if there was some like weird wind being caught of OP having this flag hung in their college dorm and reflect that upon whatever family still in mainland China, who knows and might put the safety of some people in jeopardy, especially if OP ever wanted to go back themselves. On the basic merits though, I understand why OP hung that flag. Our next story is, not in church and I'm not your jester. I went to a camp when I was in high school. There I learned a chant making fun of cheerleaders. At the time, I thought it was funny. At some point after I got home, I said the chant to my parents because I thought it was funny. They also thought it was funny. So, sounds innocent, right? Wrong. At the time, we were members of a church. After the service, when everyone was talking and whatnot, mom told me to do the chant. I didn't want to as I thought it wasn't right to do in church. We were in a house of worship, not a high school. I kept saying, I don't think I should and I don't want to. Mom kept demanding I do it. At some point, one of the people I was to perform to walked away. I guess she was tired of mom and I arguing. I'm not so sure. Blame mom for it. She's the one who thinks I'm here for others' amusement. So finally, I did the chant because I felt I had to. The arguing, I think, I guess was causing a scene. The guy who did stay for the chant, I don't think was all that amused. I think he just acted like he was to be nice. We left and went home. Mom got in the car and went off on me about how I am to do this stuff and how dare I embarrass her. I countered, I'm not here to perform to her and stuff like that. I forget all the points I made, but basically, I'm not her trained monkey here to perform. She shut up. I'm all for making jokes in church, if in good taste. Doing a chant in church, I don't think is right unless it's a religious chant. The chant's okay for high school if you want to call out cheerleaders. If you want to do it for friends, be my guest. It's not right to do in church. Opie included the chant and it's just about like nails, manicure, the sun's bleaching my hair, a cute boy, they're distracted, they don't know the score, go go fight fight, god I hope I look alright. It's just some like basic making fun of the preppy cheerleaders from like the 90s type chant. 
I mean, I'm not gonna lie, most people in that situation where they're like, Come on, tell them that joke you found out. Especially in a place like church. Nobody wants to go and do that. Our next story is, is it necessary to have two parents and three to six kids shopping? The parents are typically not paying attention and blocking aisles while moseying through the store and get annoyed when I politely ask to get by their kids. For what it's worth, when I had littles, they stayed home with one parent while the other went to the store. I also don't judge single parents who have no option. Edited to add, this is specifically speaking about two parents. This isn't about single parents having to wrangle kids. Two parents in a store is far different than single parents with no option. Honestly, I think anybody has any right to be there, even if it's one single parent or two parents. Even if they've got six kids, the issue is when they don't take proper control of their kids. I mean, sure, if you got six of them, it's going to be hard to do so. I mean, I think you have a right to be upset if they're treating the store like a jungle gym. This next story is, my mother-in-law tried to stop my wife's life-saving treatments. Allow me to introduce you to my late mother-in-law, I'll call her Carol for the sake of variety. Though I've heard many stories about her, for the most part I'll stick with things that I witnessed myself. There are enough of them. I don't think Carol ever met a new age concept she didn't like. Her expressed goals were to synthesize all religion, science, and mysticism into a unified whole. All of it. To this end, she amassed a large collection of books and stranger objects from her travels, with an especial focus on healing. Her library had volumes about vibration manipulation, curative trampolining, homeopathic color therapy, and on and on. I am not joking or exaggerating here. Her shelves had lots of admittedly pretty mineral crystals, along with bottles of magic goddess essence water, evaporated away, and bogus radon protectors powered by diagrams of geometric figures. Her favorite book, based on the number of annotations and sticky notes, was hundreds of pages of word salad about spiritual beings from the star Arcturus. That's Arcturus spelled with an H because of H-bar. Planck's constant from physics, except that Planck's constant is denoted by H and H-bar, is the reduced Planck's constant. It's important to get the details right when you're dealing with spiritual beings. Her pentagonal home was custom built around an energy vortex that she discovered in the coastal peaks of British Columbia. Carol's parenting was, how shall I put this, more darkly eccentric. She was physically and emotionally abusive to her children. One still has some pencil lead embedded in his hand from when she stabbed him because she wasn't satisfied with his piano practice. She attacked one with a kitchen knife. She started shaming her daughter, later my wife, as soon as she grew breasts for growing breasts. So she forced her daughter to wear two large bathing suits, with the apparent intention of making said breast look smaller, by contrast, but with the actual effect that there were wardrobe malfunctions. She was ashamed that her daughter went into medicine and became a noted specialist, rather than supporting her own non-traditional medical work. My wife got out of heck at age 17 and moved across the country to go to university. For most of the time after that, she went relatively low contact. A decade ago, my wife suffered from a surgical error which resulted in abdominal sepsis and asked me to call her mother. That made me understand just how deathly serious the situation was. I was to call in the family for what might be the last time. I hadn't grasped that her life was truly at risk until that point. 
Nothing less would have induced her to try to get her mother to visit. To her credit, Carol hurried out for what was supposed to be a couple of weeks. It was expected to be in that time, my wife would be either dead or on the road to recovery. Carol stayed in our home and at first things didn't go too badly. For the most part, we just didn't talk about the treatments that my wife was undergoing. Carol did express concern about the antibiotics that were being given since, according to her own views, antibiotics did nothing but harm. But a couple of weeks stretched into a couple of months and Carol became harder to live with. She was angry when I stroked my wife's hair with my hand because I was blocking the energy from her chakra. She started blaming me for having somehow caused the nausea that the botched surgery was supposed to cure. I drove her out to pick up a magical concoction of essential oils, on the condition that she check with one of the doctors before applying them. I pointed out that if the mixture had the power to heal, then it also had the power to cause harm, which Carol denied. When we got back to the hospital, I nabbed one of the residents when we reached my wife's floor to ask about that. Carol became furious about that, and it was clear that she had no intention of talking with the doctors. At home, she became more abusive to me. She was claiming that I was abusing my wife by not letting her have her things in the house. At that point, I lost my temper. The first time I'd yelled at a person in literally a couple of decades. I told her that almost everything in sight was actually her daughter's displacing my stuff. The sofas, the piano, tables and chairs, the bookshelves, and the electronics. The shelves for CDs and DVDs were mine, but half the contents were hers. Carol wanted to know if I'd be continuing the herbal remedies after she left, and I told her that was up to my wife. I'd continue them if she wanted, I'd stop them if she preferred. Carol screamed that I was abusing my wife by following her own wishes rather than her mother's. On the night before Carol was finally supposed to be heading out, I was restless. That particular nightmare was about to end, but my wife was quite still ill. I got to thinking about that essential oil mixture, which included both oil of cloves and oil of cinnamon. Those are both strongly irritating if left on the skin. And Carol had been painting my wife's feet with the stuff. Her feet were apparently the correct energy points to draw out the infection. I went online and found the manufacturer's instructions which specified that the oil needed to be significantly diluted with some neutral oil if it was going to be applied to the skin. Carol hadn't even been using the stuff properly. Well, that explained why the skin on my wife's feet was yellow and starting to peel, but Carol was furious when I calmly pointed out the problems that she was creating out of ignorance. A few days after Carol left, my wife took a turn for the worse and had to go back into the intensive care unit, and I dreaded the phone call that I had to make, not because of the bad news, but because I anticipated how Carol would react. And she didn't disappoint. If you really loved her, you'd put her back onto the herbal oil and stop the antibiotics. You know perfectly well they don't do a darn lick of good. At which point, I hung up. I had other things to worry about. My wife pulled through. After months in the hospital and three stays in ICU, she's still in poor health. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I told her that I was putting my foot down. Under no circumstances was her mother welcome under my roof again. She had grossly abused her privileges as a house guest. I didn't care about the family custom that family members were always welcome to stay as guests. I would not stay under the same roof as her mother. Having heard my stories, and based on her own experiences, my wife agreed. A few years ago, Carol died much as she had lived. She was diagnosed with metastasized lung cancer. Although she did undergo some real medical therapies, she relied mostly on her quack remedies, pawpaw twig powder, whey protein, immune boosters, and the like. The usual crap that ethics-free swindlers pawn off on desperate sufferers. She firmly believed that all the little white spots on her lung x-rays were a good sign and that her rapid weight loss indicated that her boosters were draining the cancer away. If there's some existence after death, I hope she came to appreciate all of the harm that she did in life. Except a couple of nights after she passed away, I was driving from the hospital back to the Energy Vortex house. The rental car's navigation device suggested a shorter route than I'd taken to get there. But that route turned into a back road, into a rough road in the hills, into a track through the forest, and in the pitch darkness apart from my headlights, over a rocky bump and directly into a tree trunk. Luckily I was traveling slowly and stopped in time. As I paused, I got to wondering if there might be something to Carol's worldview after all, and if her vengeful spirit might have possessed the GPS device making one last try at killing me. I think it's just a sad thing to hear about people who strongly believe in these really, really alternate forms of medication. The main one that always sticks with me is Steve Jobs. He got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and for the longest time, I think for nine months, he didn't get actual medical treatment, instead opting for some kind of fruit-based diet that was supposed to heal him. Towards the end, I believe he actually did start finally getting proper medical treatment, but by that point, it was already too late. Our next story is, Entitled Mother Calls Me a Hell Creature for My Scars. I, 14 trans male, have my fair share of heck stories, but this is one of the worst things I can remember. For context, I just entered high school in August, and this was at the beginning of the year. I've had my own mental struggle, and I did indulge in hurting. It scarred me so badly to the point where I can't leave the house without long sleeves, unless I want to be questioned. This day it was hotter than heck so I wouldn't wear long sleeves. Now on to the story. It was lunchtime and my mom dropped off my lunch at the front office and this entitled mother was waiting to pick her kid up. 
I began the small process to get my lunch, and the entitled mother just stared daggers into my soul. I get my lunch, and as I'm about to leave, she begins a conversation I wish I just ignored. Here's how that went. She said, excuse me, young lady, can I speak with you for a second? I said, um, sure, ma'am, can I help you? She says, what's that stuff on your arm? It looks very odd. I said, oh, um, those are scars. She said, oh. I said, so, do you need anything else? She said, yeah, I have a couple of questions. Okay, what is it? She says, do you know BFF? I said, yeah, she's in my science class. She's so sweet. She says, well, can you please not interact with her? I don't want her to end up like you. I said, I'm sorry, what? She says, yeah, I just don't want her to end up as a hell creature. I said, how am I a hell creature? She says, well, you do a blood ritual, right? That's why you have those scars. I said, oh heck no, I don't do blood rituals. I've never contemplated doing a blood ritual. Lastly, you can go freak yourself and learn to mind your own business. Entitled mother with a dramatic gasp. How dare you speak to me that way? At that moment, her kid entered the office and screamed at her after hearing what happened. She said, what the freak, mom? What's wrong with you? You can't just say those things to people. She said, excuse me, young lady. BFF says, shut up and listen. Talk to my best friend like that again and I swear to God I'll tell dad about you and my uncle. I quietly left after that and then the best thing happened a month later. The mother got arrested for vandalism and her husband found out she was cheating and they got divorced. According to my best friend, she's now in debt and is getting evicted. I think this more creates a moral quandary where a high school age kid knows one of their parents are cheating. Should they own up to it and tell the other parent what's going on, especially when it's that other parent's brother? Or is it okay for the high school kid to keep that knowledge a secret? That's really what I want to get to the bottom of. Our next story is, mother-in-law slash father-in-law didn't reach out to us in a time of crisis because we didn't visit them in four months. Just needed a place to vent. Recently, my husband's employer announced massive layoffs. One of several companies announcing layoffs in the industry. This layoff was widely publicized, and we know for a fact that his parents watch the news all the time. But no one in my husband's family reached out to us, not even his parents. It was a hard time for us because even though the layoffs were announced, they didn't disclose when they would happen. So we were extremely anxious day and night as to when the axe would fall. And also, since there's been so many layoffs in our industry, it would be really hard to find another job given there's so many laid off people looking for work as well. We were extremely disappointed that no one reached to us, but we thought to ourselves that maybe they didn't catch the news. This weekend we called them over the phone to chat, and his mom says that they saw it on the news and that they were 90% sure, not exactly sure why that specific number, that my husband would get laid off, but decided not to reach out to us because we haven't visited them in 4 months. Not on purpose, we were busy with work, and I had some health problems we were dealing with. And then we were also away on vacation for a bit, but we continued to text them, and always responded to their texts, so it's not like we went no contact or anything. This is also the first time this has ever happened. We usually see them at least once every other month. I found this really petty and immature, especially because they willingly chose to withhold their support because of something so small and unintended. I'm out on words on how to describe their attitude here. We're seeing them next weekend, and I plan to call them out on it. Do you guys think this is acceptable? 
honestly, in a way, I think it's so nice that they're used to you visiting more than once every four months. I'm not gonna lie, a lot of people as adults don't visit their parents maybe more than a couple times per year, especially depending on the distance. I think they're a bit callous for not understanding you had stuff you had to deal with, that's just how life gets sometimes. If being upset means more to them than rekindling whatever relationship and being some kind of family, that's their issue. Also, why is it all on OP's shoulders to instigate the visits and go to them? They could have reached out. Our next story is, Entitled Mother said I was causing your kid emotional harm and trauma. I, 20-year-old female, work in after-school care where I take care of 9 and 11-year-old kids. I have 15 9-year-old kids and 8 11-year-old kids under my care as of now. We have a simple routine which consists of their homework time, play time, tea break, and enrichment. I have one kid, let's call him Jay. He's one of the 9-year-olds and good lord this kid is problematic as freak. He doesn't do his homework, doesn't share the games, doesn't listen to instructions. Last week he provoked one of my other kids, which resulted in him getting smacked across the face with a book. Then he hogged one of the game boards and threw all the game pieces on the floor. My other kids came to pick the pieces up, but I told them not to help and called him back to do it himself. Today he took out his own chess set during homework time, and I told him to keep it to be fair to the other kids. And he started saying, are you a teacher? How old are you? In a very rude way. But I was too tired to deal with it, so I sent him to another class. After work, as I was sending my kids down, his mom came to me and said she wanted to talk to me. So I was like, oh, sure. Dude, I kid you all not. She said, you're causing emotional harm and trauma to my child. I was like, huh? Can you give me an example? And she said she was talking about what I did in general. I said, don't accuse me if you don't have anything solid to back it up. She also told me to dress appropriately. I kid y'all not, I wore a hoodie and jeans with a few rips on them to work. My boss is okay with what I wear. Then she threatened to take legal action. I was like, okay, do it then. The whole exchange was pretty long, but it was heated because I wasn't going to back down to such a Karen. I know I was unprofessional, but honestly, I don't care if I lose my job over this. I can't deal with these entitled parents thinking their children are angels. I mean, my entire class hates the kid because they find him annoying and entitled too. But who can blame him? Kids take after their parents, don't they? If there's anybody doing the most harm to this kid, needless to say it's definitely the entitled mother. Our next story is, your pony belongs to me. When I was 10 years old, my parents literally gave me a horse for Christmas. She was a purebred Arabian mare named Jess. My mom was a riding instructor who already owned her own horse, and I'd grown up with them, so this wasn't quite as crazy as it sounds. By the age of 10, I was a good enough rider to go galloping across the prairies with my mom and her horse friends. A few years later, we moved to a rural property where we could keep my mom's horse Harry and Jess. I loved Jess so, so much. For the first couple of years, we didn't have water in our barn, so one of my chores was hauling huge, heavy buckets of water from the sink in the house all winter. I cleaned the stall, I helped build and repair fences, I drove the tractor to mow the pasture, all stuff a normal 12-year-old does. Here's where the entitlement comes in. You see, the horse was never about me, it was about my mom. She needed Jess to keep Harry company and to teach riding lessons. 
All through my teen years, my mom and dad threatened me with selling Jess. If I got a bad grade, they'd sell the horse. If I went to a bad party, they'd sell the horse. If I stepped a toe out of line in any way at all, they'd sell the horse. I was a perfect kid with perfect grades who never even kissed a boy or had a drink or smoked anything at all because of my fear that I'd wake up one day and my horse would be gone. If I ever complained about anything, they told me, shut up and be grateful, you have a horse. Well, my parents hit some hard times financially and they decided to spend the money they'd invested for my college fund on maintaining their lifestyle. They told me I'd be on my own for school. I graduated high school early and got a job to save up, but it wasn't enough. I couldn't qualify for government student loans because my parents made too much money. And I developed a severe, life-threatening allergy to horses. After doing chores in the barn or brushing Jess or going for a ride, I would sneeze and cough for two hours unless I took the maximum possible dose of Benadryl. One time I got horse sweat in my eye and it swelled shut in seconds. I now carried an EpiPen, but my parents still made me do barn chores. My allergies to horses were life-threatening and my parents knew this. Finally, Harry died and Jess was all alone. Horses are herd animals and it was cruel. I told my mom I needed to finally sell Jess. It was better for her and I desperately needed the money for school. My mom said no. After all those years of threats, my horse was never mine after all. I got a bank loan for school, but after this and many other stories, I no longer speak to my parents. I certainly feel bad for OP. This is one of those things where the gift is so expensive Those parents who apparently are insistent on maintaining their lifestyle would never be willing to actually give it away. It's also especially sad to me that when it comes down to it's legitimately just better for the life of the horse to sell them, the mom doubles down no because OP can't possibly have the money from selling them. Lord knows the second OP turns around and stops talking to them, they go and sell the horse and take the money for themselves, right? That said, our next story is... My mom is harassing me to take a pregnancy test just because I gained a little bit of belly weight this past month. I'm 18 years old, she treats me like a baby. I had to expose my sex life to her and those topics make me really uncomfortable to talk about with my parents. I feel so uncomfortable right now I want to get off my skin. She keeps saying she thinks I'm pregnant even though I know I'm not. She keeps telling me to get off the pill and asking me questions that I don't feel comfortable answering about my cycle and my body. Thing is, I have a brother and she never even touched the subject of sex with him. While with me, she says she doesn't trust me and thinks I'll get pregnant. Now I have to take a pregnancy test in front of her because she demanded it. I feel so disgusted and angry at her. But at the same time, she pays so much stuff for me I feel bad not doing what she wants and giving her the information she's asking, but I tell her I feel uncomfortable and she still insists on the subjects. What I'm really confused about here is if she's so paranoid that OP's pregnant, why do they want OP to get off the birth control pill? Are they afraid that OP is pregnant and they're afraid that it's going to harm the imaginary baby or something? To me, it almost sounds like she's pressuring her kid to try to get pregnant. I mean, Lord knows creating this unsafe environment around the topic of sex with your kid very well might be a good driving force to cause such a thing to happen. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. 
Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy entitled parent story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.